or Salem Media Group. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. I hope the first part of your Easter weekend has been wonderful, uh, and uh, or Passover, depending on who you are. Uh, so let's start thinking positively. Imagination is more important than knowledge. Knowledge is limited. Imagination encircles the world. Albert Einstein. And since he did the whole theory of relativity in his mind, which is just a scary thought, you know, he did mind experiments, and uh, I thought that was interesting. Be creative. Use conventional thinking and have the guts to carry it out. That's Lee Iacocca. He did a couple good things. And then one more from Albert, because he's one of my favorites. I don't know if you've read his book, uh, but uh, his biography is fantastic. Weakness of attitude becomes weakness of character. Ain't that the truth? So anyway... uh, you know, we always say on the show that it, uh, if you'd like to get any of the information, you can Google or Bing Tim Hayes Radio, and I show up. And, um, you know, I think it's you know th- for the next several months, I think the dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list are going to be key places to, to find ideas, which I've been buying some off there uh, the last uh, two weeks. And uh, also, uh, our ADR list, I know I'm going to talk about Europe a little bit in the third part of the show, because I'm starting to see some signs of life there. So the ADR list might be a good good, good place to go. And then uh, the, the best idea list at this point. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to be talking about bonds for a while, simply because I'm going to talk about convertible bonds uh, in this show today, again, uh, because I think that's the place to be for the next couple of years. I don't know if... Bo- you know, I don't get excited about a two and a half percent or two point six percent ten year treasury. Uh and if you're gonna do that you wanna go high grade corporate bonds, uh or possibly you know, municipals are interesting, uh, because they're yielding uh, you know, three and a half, three three and a quarter, three and a half percent, uh, which is way above the thirty year treasury. Uh you know, it's almost a half a percentage point above the thirty year treasury and you, you get tax free uh both from federal and state tax. Uh, so that's good. But anyway, uh, so if you go to, if you Google Tim Hayes radio or you Bing it, I show up and it, it, you can always tell it's me because it says, remember, buy low, sell high. And, um, there's some good stuff on there. Uh, you know, we, we talk about our, uh, uh, bulletin board and, and Bob Dickey, uh, you know, who we had a great seminar with, uh, is, is listed under there under daily technical analysis and the market week kind of sums things up. I send that out to a lot of people too, by the way. Um, there's also some information on data breaching and social security. I mean, um, cybersecurity that I think is very, very important. Um, and then I, I, look, I've been talking about this for a while, but one of the ways to clean up, do some spring cleaning. I've been talking about that. You know, we, we can look at the laggards in your portfolio and say, Hey, you know, what are they doing? What should I be doing? And and then the other thing is to get your insurance uh, put together. And um, the question is, do you have the old insurance or the new insurance? And the old insurance, you have premiums, death benefit, and maybe cash value. Uh, in term, you don't. But in the new, you have living benefits, whereas you can use that benefit to pay some of your long-term care expenses. So I think uh, while you're cleaning up your finances, if you want a review of your insurance policies, uh, let us know. Uh, and by the way, if you want to have coffee with me, an, another way to get to my webpage is whk1420am.com. 
and you go to the local podcast, you go down, it's Tim Hayes, and it takes you right to my webpage. So uh, there you go. So you can you can get the prime income list, the dividend growth uh, portfolio, the ADR list, top ideas, that type of thing. We have a new newsletter for the month of May, and it's mergers and acquisitions. What's in the deal for investors? Uh, and how does the Federal Reserve affect the economy? If you don't understand that, you should not be investing by yourself. And how to recover from a midlife crisis. I've just had gone through a couple of those uh, uh, in the last couple of weeks with uh, some clients. And, uh, you know, 45, 46, some things, bad things happened. And uh, they're they're having a tough time. And, and, and sometimes, you know, you need to uh, you need to do things. Anyway, there's a piece out. It's the, by our Wealth Insights people, our Wealth Management Group, called Rewriting Retirement. And, man, this is one of the best pieces RBC has ever put out, and I highly recommend it to you. So Google Tim Hayes Radio or, or Bing Tim Hayes Radio or go to WHK's website. That's a great piece. It's fantastic. I read it like three times. I think it's really good. Uh, everybody says, Tim, you concentrate on stocks too much. Well, I don't. I, I spend a third of uh, my time with bonds and stuff like that. But, look, let's say you started out with $100,000 and you put it in the market in nine, uh, 2007. And then within uh, two years, you were probably down to maybe forty nine, you know, $48,000. If you would have stayed with bonds, if you would have put it, taken it all out and bought bonds, you'd have $71,000. That would be a 42% increase. Wouldn't be bad. If you stayed with money market, it, you'd have 51791 If you kept it with bonds, even after the correction of 2018, you'd still have $208,000, uh, a return of about 309% from the low. You tell me. Look, I've been talking about REITs for some time uh, on and off, and, you know, uh, we do have a group that, um, a money manager that deals specifically with REITs, and I, I, they've they've had a great track record over a, a 10-year period. I mean, they're up about 20%. Uh, and they had a little, you know, REITs took a little bit of a bath a couple years ago, and so their three-year track record is only 6, uh, 6%, but year-to-date they're up 17%. One year they're up 17 if you'd like more information on that, give me a call. And then, you know, I talked about bonds, and, and I think one of the best areas is the convertible bond area. The problem is they're very – it's a tough, tough thing to figure out. So we do have uh, some people that handle it very, very well. And, you know, one of the things I think you can do with uh, these guys is is you can put together a portfolio of like a market-neutral portfolio with the convertible bond portfolio – an average eight nine percent, uh, you know, their convertible bonds have been averaging ten percent for a pretty long time. So that'd be a good way to uh, handle some of those, you know, handle the bond area. So usually with convertible bond, you get a yield plus the upside, and they also uh, help on the downside. Well, you know, I don't get mad in my business very often, but last Thursday I, I got really mad, and Bernie Sanders. Uh, was on Fox News, of, of all things, and he said that we should have a Medicare for all system, and he personally wiped almost a trillion dollars off the health care, uh, well, of, off all health care stocks. And then Elizabeth Warren also touted a single-payer uh, approach uh, type of thing. Now, single-payer is the, is the most dominant Healthcare system for a socialist society. 
And, you know, Saul Linsky, if you don't know who he is, he was a member of the Communist Party, and he figured that people weren't picking up the Communist Party back in the 50s, so he became a Democrat. And I've read both his books, okay? So, you know, you can argue with me about that, but that's my opinion. And in his eight principles to a social society, the number one is he who controls the health care controls the people, and that's all they care about as far as I'm concerned. But they single-handedly wiped the entire healthcare group out. A trillion dollars was wiped off healthcare stocks in one day because of Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Boy, if there's any other reason to vote Republican, uh, but they even, they even criticize the affordable care act. You know, they won't repeal it, but they even criticized it. So just think of that a thousand, uh, you know, they just wiped it out and uh, it's too bad because that's 20% of the economy. And boy, if they wipe it out, they're gonna they're gonna hear about it. Okay, uh, you, you, there's a price to pay to be a socialist. Trust me on that one. And my other question is, if socialism is so great, why is everybody trying to get into our country? <laughs> you know, it doesn't make sense. Anyway, I was looking at fun flows. Uh, that's my political comment, by the way. Uh, you know, that's Tim Hayes's opinion, not not anybody else's. Uh, you know, here we are, up almost twenty percent for the year, and. All the money has gone into taxable bonds. $92.6 billion has gone into taxable bonds this year because people say the, the Fed stopped. They're no longer worried about interest rates going through the move. Well, you hadn't had to worry about that for a while. What's interesting is, deme- oh, by the way, municipals, another $28.8 billion. So you're looking at over $110, $120 billion. And $27 billion has come out of domestic equities. Boy, it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. So now one of the things we were, we've been talking about at, uh, uh, RBC is global valuations. And there's a sharp first quarter rebound, uh, and it, it drives the global valuations a little bit higher. So, uh, what we're seeing is some of those, you know, we talked about the, some of the emerging markets and stuff like that. And we're starting to see some of those pick up. And I'm going to talk about that more in the, the third part of the show. Also, oil and gas. This is interesting because I look at the XOP and it's just broke above its, its, uh, little base that's been in and oil's up $20 a, a barrel and the average oil stock. Now there's a few. There's about five or six that are up maybe 10, 15%, but the average oil stock's only up two or 3%. The oil service stocks are out to lunch. Now, they look like they're picking up a little bit. I'm noticing some uh, momentum starting to turn. But isn't that interesting? Uh, you know, so, you know, I, I think there's some ideas. With, and by the way, Chevron bought Apache. So people are starting to buy oil on the New York Stock Exchange. Now, I could think of some names like, you know, uh, like Matador and, and, and uh, Noble and Pioneer Resources that would be perfect uh, places to buy uh, uh, you know, Apache is another one. You know, these have huge reserves, and, and you could buy it cheap right now. And it, it would be interesting to see if that continues. Uh, you know, I, I, I've been, I've been really kind of interested because uh, there's been a lot of disruption in the consumer markets, and uh, we have a new report out. If you'd like to get it uh, from the Imagine 2020, remember we had a portfolio that we said you could hold from t- here till 2025. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, uh, but there's been a lot of disruption in that in consumer, you know, uh, products the last couple of seasons. So, look, earnings season is upon us, and what we're seeing is 
um, as I said last week, everybody was negative, so there's been some positive surprises, which is not uncommon. We've also had a couple negative things, and uh, or the other thing I'm seeing is if you don't raise your estimates, like Abbott Laboratories, uh, you know, beat with revenue, beat on revenue growth, beat on earnings, you know, by a penny, and would not raise their earnings. And the market beat them up. Of course, that was the day that Bernie uh, uh, spoke about the healthcare stocks on Fox, of all places. Uh, so that was, you know, kind of an interesting situation. So I think uh, I think the earnings this quarter are going to likely dictate the mood, and, and uh, we can t- kind of interpret that. But uh, I think, you know, some people uh, are starting to worry a little bit about the downside. And, and I, you know, sometimes you can use a put option. And if you don't know what that is, you shouldn't use them. Uh, But if you'd like more information on that, please give me a call. 888-223-7742. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Uh, I hope you're having a lot of people over for Easter. I'm actually uh, heading to Washington, D.C. to see my son, uh, who we haven't seen since Christmas. So we're looking forward to that. I hope uh, you're... You're among many relatives for the weekend. Um, if you just tuned in and you missed the first part of the show, don't forget, WHK 1420 AM. They have a catalog under podcast. They have a catalog of my shows going back almost two years. So uh, it comes on Mondays. I think it's either Monday or Tuesday at noon. So if you missed the show and you need a nap, <laughs> go, go to the web page. Uh, artificial intelligence, you know, we, we look, uh, on this show, uh, and, and people don't understand that, you know, the amount of money been made based on what I've said to you. But remember, I talked about oil before anybody was talking about oil. I talked about Bakken, Montana before anybody talked about Bakken, Montana. Kramer was four and a half years after me. By that time, Bakken had peaked. The cloud I talked about the cloud before even CNBC. CNBC was six and a half months behind us. All right. Uh, not because I'm great. It's because we have a great research team at, at RBC. Then we talked about the Internet of Things. Nobody's really talking about it. Now that's all they're talking about. Uh, then we talked about 5G about five or six months before they started talking about 5G. And we're talking about it uh, in December of 2017, to be, believe it or not. And we, we talked about a couple names that uh, back then, we, we won't mention names, but we mentioned a couple names uh, that we thought were pretty interesting. So we do have uh, good information on this show, and it's timely is what I'm trying to suggest. And I think one of the things that you have to be thinking about is industrial intelligence right now. This is a digital transformation has significantly impacted the, the industrial sector where companies are using software, data, and artificial intelligence to monitor and optimize their their assets with the Internet of Things. You know, we said this was going to happen, but I'm really, the amount of money going into this is pretty substantial. And look, it's gone from individual pieces of equipment to production lines, factories, fleets of mobile machinery, like cranes and stuff like that, uh, global manufacturing systems, and supply chains. So it's, it's a whole kit, you know, it's the whole kit and caboodle. And the number of uh, IoT devices, Internet of Things devices and sensors in the industry sector is expected to rise considerably to into 2022. 
So I think there's still money to be made there. And when a piece of equipment unexpectedly fails, it can disrupt, you know, a, a, a production or cause injury. So these these guys can monitor this thing, and if there's even a slight, you know, glimmer that there's a problem, they can they can get to it before the system breaks down. Also, they reducing assets downtime through a predictive maintenance is critical for industrial companies. Therefore, you know, uh, if you link the IoT with AI. You can create a digital knowledge base that can be leveraged across the fleet of equipment, you know, production systems, supply chains, etc. All right. So there are several very large industrial companies that are providing uh, the digital technology to enhance production. And uh, also, you know, there's operational efficiencies that are involved here. So some interesting stuff going on there. I, I think uh, that could be a, a really big thing over the next three, four years, especially if we actually start producing things again. Um. I had uh, Greg in my office the other day, and uh, he's a great guy, uh, with his wife, uh, Kathy. And uh, I promised I wouldn't use his last name, but I, use his, I told him I'd use his first name. And Greg was asking me, he said, you know, why don't you trade? And I said, you know, look, sometimes I bought a bunch of Disney uh, before uh, the announcement of their new streaming product. And I did it, you know, kind of with a trade in mind. But if it broke out, you know, because it had had a series of flat tops for like four years and had a series of higher lows. So the the demand was getting uh, more aggressive on each higher low. And I thought, eh, you know, so we'll buy it for trade. And, and, you know, we did this with with Intel a couple of weeks ago. And look, I think it's important. Uh, I did it with Blackstone, too. Uh, But I have a system, okay? And that's the key if you're going to trade. So I'm not a big trader. I'm an investor. I'm a long-term investor for the most part. And by the way, most of those stocks I just mentioned have become investments because what happens is most people sell their their trades right away when they make a profit. What you're supposed to do is sell your losers right away when they fail to make a profit and let your winners run. That's a trading system to talk about. But look, Let's talk about some mistakes that I see people make all the time. First of all, they have persistence in the face of repeated failures. They keep, they continue, they continue to, to do the same dumb things over and over again. And they, and they're not analyzing what they're doing. That's the second thing. Failure to analyze or losing trades. I have reverse engineered every time I've done something stupid. Now, sometimes, uh, look, you know, the problem with the stock market is that, uh, it's not what you know. It's what you don't know that comes out uh, of the closet and bites you in you know where. Okay? So you got to analyze what you're doing wrong. Missing good trades that you're watching because you, you aren't paying attention. You know, so if you're not, if you're trading, you're, you should be paying attention all the time. Uh, taking trades that don't fit your system, you know, whatever your system is. I know what my system is. If you don't have one, there we go. Not having a, a, a plan, not having a system. That's the other thing. This is the the one I hear the most is is buying someone else's trade on a whim. You know, I don't care what they're doing. It's what I'm doing. I may investigate it. If it makes sense, then I'll buy it. Revenge trading, trying to get back. That's the worst. Playing favorites. Hey, I, you know, I just, I had a a company uh, that I really liked that makes antennas and I liked it. I couldn't find anybody that had a research report on it, you know, so I was trying to get some backup and I couldn't and the stock's now up at, it's up forty percent. So, I, by by playing favorites, meaning I was looking for research, I lost a trade. I lost an opportunity. So, 
uh, ignoring stops. Now, sometimes things, you know, a lot of the healthcare stocks got beat up. So if you bought healthcare just you know, like a week ago, you got hammered pretty hard. And so uh, the, the stops were blown, you know, uh, by heavy selling on the downside. So uh, don't overtrade and don't undertrade. Those are two others. And look, if you're going to have a trade, say, you know, so you bought Disney and my my time frame was, you know, their streaming announcement. If it didn't work by then, we, we didn't stick around. If it worked, we stuck around. Okay. So it's a time frame. You got to keep time in, in, uh, in place there. All right. Now, one of the things that we saw this week with the sell off in healthcare is that technology is still leading the, the pack in our, our favored sectors area. And, uh, what we found was utilities jumped over healthcare. Uh, and I think as a Friday, maybe industrials jumped over there too. So our friends, Mr. Sanders and, uh, Miss Warren, um, really, you know, whacked us hard on those. Uh, and, you know, they, they wiped a trillion dollars off the, the, the capitalization of healthcare stocks. So, uh, somebody should remind them that it's 20% of the economy. And, and it, they start laying off healthcare workers. There's going to be a lot of ticked off people out there. So, uh, that maybe that's what they want. Um, anyway, um, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about oil stocks. Uh, look, is it too early to gush over oil? I guess is the question. And, uh, you know, I've been looking at drilling ideas and, and, you know, with continuous oil, just a massive breakout. And we kind of told you we thought was, it was going to 64. Uh, it went to 64 and a half. That's where it is right now. You know, it, it's, it's been positive momentum for 14 weeks now. And I think that, you know, usually four, eight weeks, nine weeks is a pretty long time. And, and then you usually correct for a while and then go forward. Okay. Uh, but 14 weeks is a long time. So I think it's going to, you know, uh, consolidate at least. Uh, but from a relative, str- uh, strength standpoint, there aren't many superlatives in the energy sector. Um, it continues to rank in last place in the dynamic asset level investing sector tally ranking that our friends from Dorsey Wright provide us with. Um, and, you know, generally, I haven't seen a lot of stocks. I've been seeing a lot of big money going into stocks, like Paul Singer from Elliott Management bought a company last week, which we mentioned last week, and he bought a lot of it, and he bought some more of it. So uh, I think that's interesting. So what I looked, I, I looked at the monthly and weekly momentum for the XLE, and it just recently turned positive. So uh, what we saw was the XLE broke its downtrend line. Now, that downtrend line is that psychological barrier that you hit up against several times before you're ready to take off, okay? So that was good. Um, and, and that I think that was partly due to Anandarko, uh, which is a big member of that, uh, that group, and the takeover there. So, you know, we talked about energy, and we talked about the fact that, uh, you know, they may be, uh, uh, you know, they're going to start to uh, buy these companies, uh, you know, on the New York Stock Exchange instead of drilling for oil. So uh, we did see a turn up in the percent positive trend for the energy sector, which is good. Uh, and I, I have several names that that have broken their downtrend lines um, and, and look pretty good. So uh, I and we, we have seen some insider buying like Kinder Morgan and that type of thing. And I uh, so I, I think it's kind of it'll be kind of interesting to see. Uh, you know, where we go from there. Um, what I, I was going to talk about is uh, I think there's some opportunities there, uh, and we'll just leave it at that. Um, I was looking at our active allocation portfolio, and uh, 
we went neutral on equities this week. Okay, so neutral. So that that kind of tells me, you know, what we're seeing is lower volume on the move up here. And usually lower volume means that somebody's getting in. Now, we, we do have the advanced decline line in new high, so that's good. But we are having lower volume. And, uh, you know, lower volume is usually not a great thing when you're trying to hit a new high. You want to hit a new high on, on heavy volume. We do have a high relative strength index reading um, that that usually offers once, you know, sign that a trend has changed from bear to bull. So that's a positive. So I'm, I'm trying to work this out a little bit and see, you know, uh, what, what we should uh, be looking for. Uh, if, if I look at some of the ETFs, the world ETFs, some of these are starting to break out too. So I, I read an article about a very aggressive uh, uh, upside, you know, short-term upside uh, projection for the Dow, like 30,400, 30, which might be, you should hear Bob Dickey's one for the next 12 years. <laughs> but um, we need financials to join the party and, and they are starting to join the party. So let's, let's keep that, uh, with us and and breath remains positive so that's that's always good um bearish divergences kind of need to be uh completely blown out i think uh, before we get going again so i think the equity markets would uh need to ignore some you know traditional seasonal tendencies like sell and may go away uh so those are the type of things we're going up against and uh, there are some industry groups that are starting to look pretty good i think uh, home improvement uh, gambling, which had been in a downtrend, uh, distillers and vintners, you know, are still in a downtrend. Renewable energy is big, even though the, they got rid of the, uh, uh, the tax deal for it. And specialty finance, uh, you know, that's the, uh, fintech. Uh, if you don't know what fintech is, you're in trouble. Uh, and semiconductor has been the other one. And it looks like our friends in the transportation index are really testing the downtrend line. So that'd be another area I'd look. Um, and then, Finally, uh, well, I don't know. I was I was going to talk about a couple uh, uh, chart formations that I've seen, but uh, it's, it's hard to uh, predict that. But um, there, there, I am seeing. Okay, we're back. You just tuned in. This is Smart Investor Show. This is part of the program where we talk about the bullish percent. Bullish percent is kind of hard to describe on the radio, but what it is, is it's a risk indicator, okay? And uh, I've been thinking that we've, we're going to have a bit of a correction, and it's not happening, so I'm, I'm early, all right? But the bullish percent is a, um objective uh, indicator, all right, that does its own thing. So no matter what you think, the bullish percent is is telling you what's happening, Okay. So uh, what it does is it gets you bullish at the bottom and gets you careful at the top. So it was designed by a bunch of guys back in the 30s who, who wanted to be bullish at the bottom and bearish at the top, and it worked great in the 1929 crash. The 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 bullish percent was, uh, and this is the first year that actually was designed, was at 92 and went all the way down to two, uh, one of the biggest swings in history. And, uh, so there's two parts to this, uh, uh, chart. Number one is they have two areas. The red zone is above 70. That's when everybody's really hot to trot on the stock market and the world's saying, ah, we're going to the moon. We're going to the moon. That's when you got to be careful. And when you get below 30 is the green zone. And that's when everybody's crying their beer. And that's when you want to be positive. Now you got to, in the green zone, you got to wait for the thing to turn before you get 
uh, aggressive. Uh, and usually, by the way, if you have a big, you know, run down from above 70 to below 30, uh, there's a rally up and then a test down. Okay. And then we have X's and O's. X's means we have the offensive team on the field. O's, we have the defensive team on the field. Now there's some other things like what the relative strength of, of, of equities versus bonds versus commodities versus, uh, international equities versus cash. And, those are important too. Uh, you know, back in 2007 and eight, U.S. equities were at the bottom of the list. Okay. Uh, now they're at the top of the list. So a little bit different thought process. And, uh, so right now we're at 57. We're up 2.7%. And I, I was going to add, uh, to a couple of situations that I really liked and I didn't based on, I thought it was, you know, we were very close to, you know, turning back around. I thought, and, uh, so here's the point. I thought that I'm not dealing with my indicators again. Okay. So whatever you think, we're still bullish. <laughs> it's that simple. Uh, the, the over the counter index was actually down. Uh, it was down 0.2% to 45%. And the world index was uh, up 0.4% uh, to 48.6. So the only real big change was in the large stocks. Okay. We're going to talk. Remember what I said uh, about five minutes from now. All right, so the large stocks, uh, you know, we've, the S, the Dow has gone positive for, for two weeks. The, the mid caps, small caps have been positive, but the QQQs and the XLG, which is the large stocks, have been positive now for 15 weeks. That's a long time. The S&P has been positive for two weeks, by the way, which is good, but 15 weeks is a long, long time. Now, what's interesting about that is, you know, I always talk about our favored sectors, and we don't talk about the other sectors. We just talk about the favored ones because that's where the money's going to be made. And we've gone from 16 favored sectors to 12 this week while the market continues to go up. So there's there's a deterioration underneath uh, all this stuff. And I think Friday healthcare went went uh, the way of the dinosaur too. But we'll start out at, you know, we, we had some of these at 70, 80, 90 just a couple of weeks ago, but semiconductors and electric utilities are at 70. You're going to wait on those. Waste management is 65. I'd still wait on those. Softwares of 55. You can pick and choose there. I got one name that I really, really like right now. Uh, household goods and, uh, uh, medical are 50. Good place to be, uh, you know, looking around. Healthcare, transportation, drugs, and telecommunications are at 40. By the way, drugs and healthcare are down like four or five this week because of that. And then we only have one below 30, and that's precious metals. And precious metals have been negative for a while. So, um, very interesting scenario. Uh, you know, we're losing favored sectors yet. We're, it looks like we're getting closer to a new high. Now I don't want to say anything, but that's kind of what happened back in October. Although I don't think we're going to have another October surprise this time. I think, uh, what we're going to have is a wishy-washy market for a while. Okay. A sloppy market. Uh, you know, you have a couple days where the healthcare stocks get beat up. Uh, you know, the REITs got beat up for a couple of days there. Uh, utilities, you know, gave back, uh, two, three percent. You know, so you have sloppy trading, uh, where there'll be rotational moves. And that's my opinion anyway. Um, so I looked at some things and I noticed that waste management, which been most favored, has just gone back to favored now. Wall Street, which had been unfavored, moved up to average. So remember, we wanted the financials to participate. By the way, the financials, are the essence of value investing. We've been talking about that value versus growth scenario for some time. Biotech went back to average. Uh, non-ferrous metals and automobiles went up to average. So I haven't seen automobiles at 
at average for a long, long time. And gaming, which had been favored, had, had gone back to average. Uh, they got beat up a little bit. Now, I talked to earlier that I saw some signs of light, and I, I suggested that you look at our ADR list because I'm seeing signs of life in Europe. And, uh, by the way, I'm not the only one. Our friends at Dorsey Wright, uh, you know, in their last report, they, they highlighted a couple names in Europe. Uh, you know, for example, they looked at the iShares, uh, iShares Europe. Uh, there was some broke us downtrend line. Uh, it does look like we're seeing some other names out there too, like Sweden. Sweden has, uh, broke a, a double top and it's downtrend line at the same, oh, a downtrend line, then a double top. Uh, also Finland, uh, we're seeing some movement there, which is kind of interesting. And, uh, you know, they not only broke their downtrend line, but if they, they go up another half a buck, they're, they've broken a double top just like, uh, uh, Sweden did. So if we see more and more of this, we'll let you know. So we've seen EEM break out a little bit. Uh, we've seen, uh, the China market just goes skyrocketing and I'd probably wait on that one. Uh, and, and I'm also seeing things that like, you know, on Thursday, there was one company that traded 65,000 call options, uh, on a, on, in a day at one strike price, uh, which is a lot. <laughs> it's about 65 million shares, just so you know, uh, that they're controlling and it, it's in the copper business. So we said last week, uh, uh, you know, that we thought copper was starting to look good. It's still looking good. I, I like the chart in copper a lot. Uh, it's been negative momentum for about seven, eight weeks now, which is usually, you know, that seven, eight week period of times, usually when you, you turn to the downside, you turn to the upside. So that, that's interesting. But, uh, I also suggest that sometimes the commodities will move up in the same move as foreign stocks. It's a dollar thing. Okay. Now, the dollar has been stalled between 97 and 95 for a long, long time now. And it's up at 97.5, I should say. It's at 97.4 right now. So if it backs off to 95, that could give the impetus for some of the um, the uh, commodities to go to do much better, all right, and some of the foreign stocks to do a little bit better. So it's something to watch, and I, uh, you know, I'll just suggest that you should. Um, the, the 10-year Treasury yield uh, is now... Uh, well, the, I should say, you know, we, we briefly had the three-month and the two-month Treasury bill above the 10-year yield, which is an inverted uh, yield curve. And everybody was worried. And, and since then, the 10-year has rallied drastically. And remember I said I didn't think it was going to break 250? Eh, wrong answer. Uh, it broke down pretty hard and then rallied right back up because the relative strength made a higher low, which is usually a good, a positive sign. Uh, so we, we bottomed at 2.375. Uh, on a, on the default chart and then rally back up. I think it's, it's just a 2.62 right now. So, uh, look, I, I had a question about, uh, target maturity bond ETFs. Um, and, and I've talked about laddering a portfolio for some time. And, uh, you know, basically a laddered portfolio is one where allocations spread across several different maturities, you know, get 20% each and one, one to 5% maturity bonds. You know, and then you can go up to 10, you know, whatever. And a ladder portfolio basically provides you with liquidity and can help you maximize interest rate risk. So you got, I always have bonds coming due. Okay. Um, but the, the problem with these is if you buy an ETF, uh, you're, you're going to see, uh, you know, it's like CDs. People don't understand CDs. There's all sorts of market movement on your CD. 
And that's why they charge you a penalty to get out because they're, in, you know, they're taking a market risk. The bank is taking a market risk. So uh, with these things, people, the movement and the price might drive you nuts, which you really wouldn't see that closely on a, on the actual bonds. And what I found is uh, uh, that the net asset value, net asset value, uh, which is shown every day, it'll be affected by interest rates. So it can drive you crazy. And a lot of people have traded these things and lost money pretty much every time. So uh, anyway, as far as commodities concerns, we had 16 straight weeks of positive momentum and, and crude. I think that's going to come to an end. Some of the commodity in, uh, indexes have had six weeks, the two that I'm, I follow. That's mostly because of crude oil. Uh, gold's been negative for eight weeks, copper eight weeks, uh, and corn one week. I would suggest that uh, gold and copper may reverse back up together. Uh, don't, I actually see gold kind of fading a little bit, so copper is a much better-looking chart. Um, and somebody asked me, how do I gain crude oil ex- uh, ex- exposure if you want to use ETFs? And I guess the continuous contract is still negative trend on its default uh, uh, chart. So actually, oil's in a negative trend still, but the story is a lot more bullish over the short-term horizon. So... Uh, if you look at a half point chart, it looks pretty good. So, look, there's four ETFs that have above 50 million in assets, and the only one that uh, there's a couple I worry about, and that is uh, the USO, and that's because if the front contract uh, it, there's some, it's susceptible to what is known as uh, roll yield, and you got to be worried about that. Uh, also, uh, Invesco, which can be be a problem if backwardation starts or contago so uh, there's a couple out there oil and usl that would probably you know if you're going to do it uh you do your own homework but those are the ones that i'd be looking at i'm not so sure i think i'd be buying some of the oil drillers personally but uh anyway uh stocks moving to a relative strengths buy signal or mcdermott an oil driller that's that's a wild one though i mean I've, i see to go to three bucks to to 120 all the way back to six so, you know, be careful with it. Sinclair Broadcasting, uh, Tata Motors, uh, Arista Networks, which has been an absolute home run shot, by the way. Uh, and uh, let's see, uh, Adiant, which is in the automobile parts area, and uh, Advanced Disposal Systems, and then Delphi Technologies on the sell side, BP Purdue Bay, uh, Martin Main, uh, uh, Mainstream, Manatech, Serepida Therapeutics, Molus Companies, uh, Pro QR Therapeutics, J. Jill, and, and Susanna Popel Asalos, which is Basic Resources. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Insiders. Okay, we're back. If uh, you just tuned in, remember, uh, and you missed part of the show and you'd like to hear the whole thing, remember... If you go to WHK 1420 AM uh, and hit the local podcast, go down to Tim Hayes, I'm there. And you can also go directly to my webpage from there. But every, uh, I think it's Monday or Tuesday, I can't remember, i got to ask that question one of these days. At about noon, they put the podcast on. So you can pick up uh, the information uh, or you can listen to the show again. Uh, it, you know, it's pretty easy on your iPhone. Um, I've, I've tried it a couple times, but I, I can never remember. You know, I usually do it on Tuesday just because I can never remember on Monday. Uh, so it, it can be done, and uh, you can listen to the whole show uh, at your leisure. 
All right. Now we talk about insiders a lot and, and on this show and, and, uh, we, we, we've a structured show each time and people say, don't you want to vary? And I, this is how I do things. <laughs> All right. I start from the economics and I move my way down. Uh, and I, I, I it's, it's not a top down approach. I'm actually a bottom ups approach, but I have to look at the top, you know, to see how things are going. Okay. And it's better to know what's going on in the economy than not knowing what's going on in the economy in my business. It's that simple. But insiders, you know, they tend to be very, very early. Um, t- I look at the large buys. Okay. I want to know where people are putting big time money where their mouth is. It's that simple. I know I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm into it in a big way. Uh, and then I put them on my chart, you know, machine and, and see when the chart comes up. It's that simple. So, um, you know, that way I can see the whites of their eyes. So it's, you know, something's going on within the chart. There's either accumulation, you know, there's something going on. And then we look for research reports and uh, take it from there. So there's a company called infrastructure Inc. Um, and there's a company called Presadium Investment Corp that reported a 5% stake as of last Monday. And uh, it's interesting because uh, this is in the software business, and it's a very uh, – well, let's put it this way. I think the upside is, you know, could be big if, if they do a couple things. But right at the moment, I'm not saying buy them. I'm saying if they do something. So remember, do your own homework. And then Kinder Morgan – Here's a guy in the oil company, oil business, who hasn't, you know, I mean, started buying the stock at at fourteen fifteen because it got creamed back in November, and he just bought another three million dollars worth. Remember, he bought twice last week, uh, very close to a new high, uh, at least new yearly high. Uh, Richard Kinder knows oil, okay? Uh, he knows it very, very well. So something to think about. And then J.P. Morgan, um, there, uh, Melody Huber. Uh, bought $1.998 million worth after it went from 100 to 114. So obviously she's bullish. And then we have a couple other names that I think are interesting. John Doerr, who's a, who's a, a director at uh, Amaris, which is a specialty chemical, chemical company. This thing was a $9 stock. It got killed. It's at 418. He bought one point or he put $19.321 million worth. Uh, that's not chump change folks. So, Amorous, it's a little four or five dollar stock, so it's not for widows or orphans. And I noticed um, a couple things. And I, oh, there they are. <laughs> lost my lost my place, folks. So hold on. Uh, there is a company by the name of uh, Car. Uh, <laughs> lost my place. Um, oh, Car Auction Services. And I thought this was interesting simply because there was three sets of buyers, right? Three sets of buyers, all pretty smart. Number one, the insiders. For example, the uh, um, Michael Kessner, who is on the board. Uh, I don't exactly know his position. I think he's um, he's a director, and he he might even be, you know, like a CFO or something like that. He bought 92,000 shares, and then five others bought between five, five, 50 and 98,000 shares. So this is a $56 stock, so it's not chump change. You know, this is big big money. Uh, by the way, Michael is a, a director. I'm sorry. Uh, and then and then I saw that uh, Starboard Value bought 
uh, $7 billion stake in car auction services. That's pretty big numbers. That's Jeff Smith and the boys. And then, um, if you don't know who this is, but uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Dave Gutsman. And he, he runs First Manhattan, which is a great, you know, it's, it's for private investors. He's on the board at Berkshire Hathaway. He's a very bright guy. Um, he bought car. So uh, I think that's, you know, that's interesting. He also bought a bunch of Coca-Cola. I mean, a ton of Coca-Cola. Uh, and I know he already owns it. So there we go. Now, I, I did see a couple other things I thought I'd mention. Um, in VF, VF Corp, which is in the, you know, uh, the clothing business, uh, there was a couple big, big buys. Uh, the, a gentleman by the name of uh, Clarence Otis, he is a director. He bought uh, about 400,000, 500,000 shares. And there was two other people who, one bought 272,000 and one bought 136. So uh, a big, you know, VF Corp was near a new high last time I checked. Uh, and then in Trexon, here's a name that's been having some problems and is run by a guy named Randall Kirk, who's a very bright guy. And there was seven buyers of about 57,000 shares each. And I'm talking about the chief operating officers, chief science officer, uh, you know, uh, Rick Sterling is the chief fi- financial officer. And so here this thing's down and out. And by, by the way, they got brilliant science, but uh, they ain't paying for science right now. They're paying for earnings. And But if brilliant science turns into earnings, this stock is shorted big time. Uh, and Randall Kirk owns a ton of it. Randall Kirk was, you know, Forbes called him the greatest biotech investor of our time. These guys are looking at biotechnology in the oil business and, and other things. So something, something interesting to think about. Now, I read an interesting article in Barron's on Friday, and it, it, it was talking about an analyst who said uh, an analyst gave a thumbs up to GE because the best industrial investor of his time, this is the analyst saying this, was was aggressively accumulating GE. So who knows? Maybe it's time finally for GE. Uh, they certainly, uh, believe me, I made a lot of money on Danaher with Mr. Culp. <laughs> I, I, I've owned Danaher for a long, long time. And, uh, you know, when he came CEO, the, the stock started to really rock and roll. So, so everybody's asking me, you know, what are you doing, Tim? What, you know, what's going on? I'm kind of at the high end of neutral. And, uh, I, I think, you know, Bob Dickey said it perfectly. He said, we note that some of the short-term indicators of investor sentiment, like the VIX risk indicator in the American Institute of, uh, of Investors polls, are signaling an increase in optimism to levels that have generally co- coincided with a peak in short-term moves in the market. This happens when a strong market moves increases the confidence of the investors who may feel that they have missed out on the market. Uh, and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing people stuff money into the XLG and the QQQs. That's what people do when they think they're, you know, they're worried about being late to the party. Okay. So we have 15 weeks of, you know, positive momentum in those stocks, but we're seeing deterioration under the others. Uh, healthcare is a good, good idea, you know, a good thing. So short term, look, I'm bullish. I just think there's going to be some sloppy trading for the next six months. We, you know, is this going to happen? Uh, and, and then I think, you know, if we get uh, something resolved in China, uh, you know, some other stuff happens, we're going to be in good shape. Uh, you know, new, so I guess I'm intermediate term neutral. Uh, so, cause we'll have some sloppy trading, but long term, I'm really bullish. And if Bob Dickey is even half right, and he said this in front of 50 people, I mean, if he's half right, <laughs> it's going to be a long, long time before we have to worry about anything. So, uh, look, I, I, I think, you know, domestic equities are still the number one asset class. And, and I would suggest that, uh, you know, 
if, if I was looking at an index fund, I'd look at an equal weight index fund versus a, a capitalization weight, still out to lunch. Uh, large cap growth, small cap growth, and mid cap growth are still the places to be for now. Well, there is a big discrepancy between growth and value right now, so there might be a turn. Technology, utilities, and I'm going to say industrials and healthcare are now even, and I think maybe even industrials uh, surged ahead. And at dead last, we have energy, basic materials. But energy, you know, the question is, oil's up 50%, and energy stocks haven't moved. Will they move? Uh, or will they start to buy them? Will they start to buy oil on the New York Stock Exchange? You know, sometimes, I remember, you know, they, they, they've bought software on the New York Stock Exchange. They, they bought content. You know, back in the, in the, in the early 2000s, you know, we bought Paramount, we bought uh, MCI, we bought, uh, you know, a lot of the, they just kept buying these, the content. I think that's going to pick up again, too, by the way, with 5G. You know, they bought Time Warner. Who's next? They bought Fox. Who's next? You know, Viacom, CBS, uh, Lionsgate, all those names have probably got bullseyes on them. Uh, you know, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But we're in that area where the canoe could tip either direction. Okay, it could, it could stay upright or it could tip us over. And, and we don't know yet. And I think the tip will be a sell-off, but it won't be as drastic as everybody thinks it's going to be, you know, 3 4%, maybe 5 Uh So I, some ideas I would look at, and I, I talked about this technology, Internet, media, and telecommunications group. Uh, look, the telecommunications group and the 5G group is where you want to be. I think this is the biggest revolution since I've been on the radio. Now, you're talking about a guy who... We was talking about the cloud six months ahead of everybody, okay? I was talking about Baca, Montana, when nobody ever heard the word. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I had a seminar, and I told everybody to get out of technology and biotechnology, and everybody thought I was nuts, okay? So, uh, you know, I do follow this stuff fairly closely. So uh, that in that report, they talk about software for sustainable growth. And that's a place where I think on any dip, you really want to be paying close attention, very close attention. So, look, uh, I, I think de- domestic equities look great right now, and I would just suggest that that's a really good place to be. And the only thing I'm worried about right now is this big valuation difference between growth and value. So what would I do right now? Well, I, I really think dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list are a place to be. I've been buying some stuff off of there lately. Uh now, a couple of those are in the healthcare area. They got beat up just recently. Might be a good time to be, you know, uh, paying close attention there. Uh, also, our best idea list, there's a couple names on there that have been uh, not participating, and the analysts are really good, so I think they're going to be start to participate. I would also look at the ADR list. Uh, you know, ADRs are American depository receipts, so they're foreign stocks that trade here, so you don't have to worry about the dividend and all that stuff, uh, you know, it's a great idea right now because Europe's starting to percolate a little bit. So we'll see if it, you know, we got a couple uh, countries that look pretty good. We'll see if the rest pick up. I still think the emerging markets uh, in China on a pullback look kind of interesting also. So, uh, but the big story I think is the value versus growth scenario. Uh, will value start to pick up? And that would be in the financials. So we'll see what happens. In the meantime, folks, I, I hope you have a great Easter. I hope everyone get the family all together. Uh, and remember, uh, you know, keep a smile on your face. This is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Have a great weekend and buy low and sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll free, 
888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.